I'm Alex Delay, and this is Vision Vibes, the podcast bringing you the uplifting stories of inspiring people from all walks of life. Here's a little story of something that happens to me at least a few times a week. So, picture this. It's almost midnight. I'm in bed, looking at my phone, even though obviously I shouldn't. And all of a sudden, I get this bird notification that pops up. I tap it, and a giant pair of green eyes is staring at me. An owl is asking, Do you have five minutes to study your German today? If you're one of the 72 million people who uses the language learning app Duolingo every month, then maybe my experience will resonate with you. Today's guest is Luis von Ahn, co-founder and current CEO of Duolingo. He founded the app in 2011, and it has since grown to become one of the world's largest free language learning platforms. We asked Luis why he created Duolingo and why he chose to make it free. For education, education has always been my passion. I saw that the people who have a lot of money can buy themselves a very good education and therefore continue having a lot of money, whereas people who don't have very much money barely learn how to read and write and therefore never make a lot of money. So I wanted to do something that would give access to education to everybody. And so I I started wanting to work on education. Um, And then, you know, I thought, well, what what, what should we teach if we start working on education? And we settled on teaching languages for a number of reasons, but the biggest reason was because English is so transformative in almost every country in the world. Uh, in, in most countries in the world, knowledge of English can significantly increase your income potential. You can make more money by knowing English. My mother spent all of her money, literally all of her money on my education. Um, when I was eight years old, I wanted a Nintendo, uh, but instead of a Nintendo, she bought me a computer. And that's, you know, the, the, I would say the reason I am here today is because my mother spent so, so much of her effort on my education. You know, I, you know Guatemala is a, is a poor country, and I think she saw that if, uh, if I wanted to get ahead in life, I needed to be well-educated. Fortunately, she herself, she was, you know, the first generation that went to university. She was a, a medical doctor, and so she saw the value of education, and I think, I, I think that's, that's why. I was a first-year PhD student at Carnegie Mellon University, and I attended a lecture by the chief scientist of Yahoo, which at the time Yahoo was the biggest company in the internet. Um, and it was a lecture about 10 problems that they didn't know how to solve at Yahoo. And, you know, I listened to the lecture and I thought, maybe I'll try to solve one of these. You know, I, I listened to that problem and then I went home and then I started thinking about it for a long time. And that's when the idea came up of CAPTCHA. About five years after I helped invent CAPTCHA, the, um, I, you know, everybody that I, you know, if I met a new person and they would ask me what I did, I eventually told them that I had invented that. And everybody told me that um, they really didn't like that. And um, I started feeling a little bad. And then I started also thinking that each time somebody types these letters, they waste about 10 seconds of their time. And it turned out um, 200 million times a day, somebody was typing these letters. So if you multiply 10 seconds by 200 million, you get that humanity as a whole is wasting, was wasting like 500,000 hours every day typing these, these, these CAPTCHAs. So I started feeling bad. And then I started thinking, okay, during those 10 seconds, can we get the human to do useful work? Because the thing is, during those 10 seconds, the human can do, was doing something that computers could not do. So it was, it was actually valuable. Could we get them to do something that was useful? And, and it occurred to me that we could get 
humans to help us digitize books. When you listen to Louis' talk, his spirit of invention really comes through. He identifies a problem, then he thinks of a solution. Then he sees if there's any problems with his solution, and he looks for new solutions to that problem. And by doing this again and again, he ends up developing this incredible educational platform. But I think maybe even more incredible than the platform itself is how many people regularly use it. Back in my home country, I'm from the French-speaking part of Switzerland, we had mandatory German and English lessons in school. English was fun. We had a great teacher, and there's all this cool, entertaining learning material, so most of my classmates got pretty good at English. German was more complicated. The coursework was older, a little bit boring. We would spend many, many hours just, like, drilling vocabulary and grammar. And there weren't that many interesting shows or books we could really use until we were already at an advanced level. So I think Duolingo managed something that my high school German teachers failed at, which is they managed to make language interesting. Yes, the first challenge that we faced was before we launched Duolingo, um, we were developing it, and uh, it, my co-founder, Severin, he's a native German speaker, and I am a native Spanish speaker. And we decided that we would do to develop the, uh, the platform was I would make the Spanish course for him to learn Spanish, and he would make the German course for me to learn German. And we started learning each other's language. And the first challenge that we ran into was that um, we would come into work every day, and I would ask him, did you, did you do your Spanish lesson? And he would say, oh, no, I, I, it was so boring, so I didn't do it. And same, you know, the same thing happened to me. I, I didn't want to do it because learning German was so boring. So the first challenge we realized is it's very hard to learn a language by yourself because it's so boring. I, I am, I'm a big believer that the hardest thing about learning something by yourself or a language by yourself is staying motivated. I started a foundation um, about two years ago. It's to help Guatemala, uh, which is the country I came from. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's a very poor country, and it's also a very dysfunctional government. Um, so we're trying to do many of the things that the government doesn't do, and in particular, the thing that we're trying to help with is the education of young girls. Um, what happens in countries like Guatemala, there's many countries that are similar, is that um, when families have to make a decision about which of their children to educate, they prioritize the boys and not the girls. Um, and many families have to decide we can only educate one of our children and they will prioritize a boy, not a girl. And, well, we think that's unfair, but it's not just unfair. It's also, in general, bad for the country because it turns out that if, if you had to prioritize one, it is, in fact, better to prioritize the girl rather than the boy because the girl is actually going to be the mother in the next generation. And the intelligence and education of the mother is much more highly correlated with the next generation rather than the fathers. Um, so we have it all wrong. We would like to. So we're, we're spending a lot of we're spending a lot of money on on trying to educate girls in general in, in Guatemala. Yeah, we we've always wanted to teach not just languages. We wanted to teach many things through through mobile phones, and we thought that um, that we could start by teaching. Uh, math, for example, so we have a math course. We're working on teaching music, uh, so we're in the next few months there will also be a, a music course. Um, and uh, you know, we're we're just very excited. These are just things that people really want to learn and get better at. And uh, we're going to continue adding more subjects. Education changes lives. We have plenty of data showing how decisive education can be for the future, not just of children but everybody. Look, 
I hate to admit it, especially when the Duolingo owl is staring at me late at night. But the owl is right. I should probably be studying languages more. I mean, we all should. Even at my age and my level of education, new languages still open new doors. They offer me a new understanding of the world, new connections, sometimes even new job opportunities. It's true that even with a tool like Duolingo, new languages are still hard. And they're hard because what we're doing is we're effectively creating this whole new lens through which we can see reality. So learning new languages teach us not only about that language, but they also teach us about our existing way of thinking, our biases. Duolingo helps us broaden our horizons for free by spending only a few minutes a day. I think that's a pretty incredible gift. And it's the kind of gift that makes me excited about the possibilities of modern technology. And also optimistic that maybe we're headed toward a brighter and more connected future after all. Thank you, Owl. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. This interview was originally broadcast by NHK World Japan on television as part of the interview series Direct Talk. You can find the transcript and our other stories on the Vision Vibes website. I've been Alex Delay. See you next time. <laughs>